Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Welcome to our podcast, which I have recently decided to rename instead of the clever Northwest Woodworking Studio podcast. <laughs> instead of that, I'm going to call it splinters. You know, little pieces of my brain falling off or other things. Anyway, welcome. And uh, we will go to a bi-weekly format. Every two weeks we'll be putting these out. So, Welcome. I appreciate you uh, checking out these thoughts and musings and uh, blather on various topics. Today's topic, fascinating one, fascinating, the screwdriver. Welcome, the screwdriver. You know, there are many tools that we have around the bench at, at our disposal. There are many tools that we use, but I can think of no tool more indispensable and less thought of than the screwdriver. We are surrounded by screws. In the year 2000, the New York Times Magazine commissioned Witold Rybczynski, the architect and author of some notable books, and his task was to come up with the greatest invention of the 20th century. He came up with the screw. I could argue the point, but I think it's a fascinating idea that the 20th century revolved around that threaded object called the screw. It's how we built the Industrial Revolution. It's how we built our machines. It's how we built our autos. It's how we built our turbines and instruments of destruction and engines of energy and excavation and everything. I mean, I, clearly welding is, is an important thing, and perhaps metallurgy might be a, a, a suitable uh, contestant. But metallurgy has been around for a long time. The screw is fairly recent, and it probably came in in the 19th century, not the 20th. But what we've done with it, I think, is, uh, is well, take your pick, remarkable or lamentable, depending on the time of day or... Or year. In any event, think about your life without a screwdriver. It's just one of those tools you have to have. And in fact, at my bench, I have, oh, I would say approximately six, maybe eight screwdrivers. Yeah, probably eight. There are all these slotted screwdrivers, and they are, and they are of different size and length for different applications. I have ground sump tips so I can uh, get them into very, very small screws, a number two or a number three screw, flathead, slotted screw. And then I have uh, some very long screwdrivers so I can get more leverage the farther away you get, offering you more leverage on the, on the screw. I have Phillips head screwdrivers, some with magnetic tips. I love those screwdrivers, i got to say. I, I love them. I wish they were all magnetically tipped. But uh, I have some that are, and they have uh, rotating handles. So, oh, those, there are some nice screwdrivers out there. I have a very tiny ones, so I can work on my uh, eyeglasses put together with screws. I have some uh, fairly large ones. I have the one I, I uh, bought as a mechanic back in uh, Michigan many, many years ago because everything was always rusted, and I needed as much length as possible. It's a screwdriver. I'm estimating, I'm holding up my hands. Can you see this? Is two feet long. It's no lie, it's two feet long. And uh, Phillips said, number two, Phillips. 
And it was used for me to bust loose screws. And sometimes it worked. It didn't always. But that was, uh, that was a great investment. I love having that screwdriver close by. When I need that final uh, finish, you know, that final turn, I bring out that bad boy and, uh, and give it a twist. And it's, uh, it's quite persuasive. Let me say that. So I have all those screwdrivers. <clears throat> and then I have uh, the one with the multiple tips, you know, um, the one where you can put in 35 different tips and it's never the right one. <laughs> you know, do you have a set of those? God dang, who puts these routers, for instance, routers? They'll put these routers together. And I got a kit. I bought a, I bought a corded, uh, cordless drill recently and I got all these extra uh, tips for driving screws. I got like 100 number two Phillips tips. Great. <laughs> I got a lifetime supply. And then another 35 tips. And none of them match this one screw head that these engineers used. Who are they protecting this router motor from or the router switch? I just, I don't get it. You engineers, sometimes just use a, just something simple. It works. It would work. Just use something simple. So in the old days, and with all my old machines, everything's just slotted. Occasionally, you'll see a Phillips head. But usually, everything's just slotted. But imagine not having a screwdriver and needing to remove a screw. I mean, unless it's a roundhead screw, you're toast. <laughs> you can't get the sucker out. What are you going to use? You go to a cold chisel? Now, I've done that. I have taken screws out using a cold chisel because there hasn't been no other way. Tried heat, tried, you know, various penetrating oils and had no success. And so a cold chisel is the only thing. But a piece of wood isn't going to act like a screwdriver. I mean, there's... There's nothing that can take its place. Think about all the many other tools that we use. And, you know, okay, so I don't have a hammer. I get a stick. I get a rock. I get a chunk of wood. Not a screwdriver. You don't have a screwdriver. You're going nowhere. It's an indispensable tool, and we don't think very much about it. And we buy cheapies and don't care too much for them. But they're so important in our just daily existence to have a screwdriver. Who's got a screwdriver? which is why on all the multi-use tools that you carry on your belt, there's at least two screwdrivers, at least two, maybe more. You cannot replace its use. It is an essential tool. And driving a simple screw, it, it, it should be fairly simple, but it's now, um, well, you've got all these different heads you've got to deal with. Now, years ago, I remember, and this is, this is how the wheel turns in, in life. I gave a very important lecture uh, to my sixth grade shop class. On, we all had to give a lecture on something, and I made a poster board of the screw. Uh, my lecture was on the screw. And, uh, you know, the different types of screws. And back then it was pretty simple. They were all slotted, and it was round head or oval head or flat head. Short lecture. I liked it. But... <laughs> Time goes by, and we still have those models available to us. But the number of ways we can drive them is, I don't know, what's the number for dozened, dozened up? There are so many options. So we have the slotted of various sizes. As, as I mentioned before, you'll want to grind your, your tip so it fits inside a slotted screw head, particularly a brass one, which is softer than steel. 
almost without any movement side to side, back and forth, so that there's no marring of that screw head. And grinding the tip is the best way to do that. And then there's the Phillips heads, the number one, the number two, the number three Phillips heads, and they're all of a different size. And then there's the fascinating square drive, which has now morphed into star drives and all these different things that uh, carpenters use. They don't use nails anymore unless they're shooting them out of a gun. They put things together with screws. And then the owner of the building comes by and goes, move that wall. Well, they can do it pretty easy. Just pull the screws. So there's great advantage in that technology. But they use a star drive. It's, I don't know, maybe 8 points or 12-point tip. But Robertson had, this is one of the interesting things that came out of that Ribchinsky book, was that... Um, Way back when, like the early part of the 20th century, there was this Canadian, Mr. Robertson. Yeah, Robertson screws, square drive screws have been around 100 years. I thought they came in in like the 70s or something, because that's when I, you know, or early 80s, that's when I started to see them. But they've been around forever. We just didn't see them because Mr. Robertson wanted to control the whole market. He didn't want to license it to, to anyone. Then along comes this hardware salesman in the 30s, this, uh, I want to say R.H. Phillips. Hardware salesman out of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And he came up with this screw, you know, the star-shaped, two straight slots, but didn't run all the way across the screw head. And he came up with this idea and licensed it to anyone who was interested. Made a fortune. One of the great things about it was that in World War II, when uh, Ford and GM started to make tanks and planes and stuff, they needed a fast way to put things together, but they needed to do it without stripping screws or busting them. That was the great thing about a Phillips head screw. You could cam out of it when you finished up. I don't know if, if there were torque drives back in the 30s or 40s when they were driving screws. I suspect not. Um, think about what we have available now. You've got your cordless drill. Number one, it's cordless. If it's a good good drill, you're carrying uh, your spare bits with you, and then you have all these settings, all these clutch settings, so that you can drive a screw or drill or set it on whatever the setting number 15, the highest, or number one, so it'll the clutch will disengage so quickly. Uh, so you're putting very little pressure on things. That was one of the things they needed out of screws in, in World War II. And so Mr. Phillips made his fortune off that. Robertson, yeah, not so much. So here we are, driving a simple screw. Should be simple, right? Well, what kind of screw did you pick up? See, then, see, things get complicated. Because we have, we have wood screws, and we have sheetrock screws, and we have sheet metal screws, and we have, you know, torque drive screws, and we have deck screws, and we have, the list goes on. It's a long list. So let's just, you know, eliminate some things. It's going to be a flathead screw. Simple. I'm going to drive it in, flathead screw. Okay. Now, some of some screws are set up to drill their own pilot hole. They have a little drill bit on the tip of the screw so it's drilling its own, own entry point, which is great. If the wood is soft enough, you're using softwoods, it's great. Green or, or wet softwoods are easy to drive screws into. And then they will shrink around that screw, make a really good, strong bond. But say you're driving screws into hardwood, well, you might want to, you know, drill a pilot hole 
Okay, well, with the sheet metal screw, with the sheetrock screw, what you're going to do is take a drill bit that's the size of the root, the root diameter of the screw. Not the threaded part, but the part that the threads wrap around, not a root. You've got to drill out for that. And depending on the wood that you're driving into, you're driving into babinga or white oak or something, you want a bigger hole than if you were driving into basswood or poplar or something. So you've got to pick out the right screw, drill out a hole, and then drive the screw with your uh, screwdriver. Now, most screwdrivers have been replaced with drill guns. The, the screwdriver is now a part of your drill, so you're, so you're putting things in with a, uh, with a drill, which is great, as long as you don't slip. I have some notable accidents that have occurred where I have slipped driving a screw into a final piece and everything's all finished and I put a big dent into things. Or myself. Who who among us hasn't dented themselves? That's probably just me. Driving a screw in. It can be challenging sometimes. It's the tip, throw it away, or it's the screw, get rid of it. Those those can be real issues. So then you get to a wood screw which is the, the most, I find them the most annoying screw I, I've, I've worked with. Because not only do you have to drill a, a pilot hole for the threaded section, then you have to drill a second pilot hole for the shank, which is doing nothing. The shank, which is unthreaded above the threaded section, up to the head, it's doing nothing. Thanks a lot. And if you don't do that in, in a hardwood like uh, white oak, you're going to have trouble driving that screw in, so you have to drill two pilot holes. Yeah, Toss those things and never use wood screws. Mostly I use sheet metal screws or sheetrock screws. Good quality. Hopefully you're not breaking tips off uh, or breaking heads off. There's the subject. So you're driving brass screws. Now, brass screws are great. Very pretty as they age. A lot of times you'll see uh, slotted brass screws and you're putting hardware in and you use slotted brass screws. It's a lovely look. Uh, gives you an opportunity to clock your screw heads. Do you do that? I do that. And I, I know it's picky, but it just seems to make sense to me. Let me tell you a story. So my friend Molly and I have met up. We're in Europe. We're in uh, Prague. And I just taught a class in Germany at this place called Dictum, and um, we went to Prague together. We uh, bought tickets in Prague. If you're wandering around the streets, there are these people handing out uh, little, you know, announcement postcards for the Four Seasons. They're everywhere. It's like dueling Four Seasons all over this town. Everyone's playing the Four Seasons by Vivaldi. So we went to the main concert hall. And got there early and got the cheap seats up top and looking down on the concert hall. And I decided to walk around because it's a glorious building, gorgeous building. And I'm, I walked down the, the steps uh, to this balcony area where we were. And I'm, I go around to the side of it and I look at this giant. I mean, it's like a three foot by six foot wooden panel that's sort of covering up the side of the stairway. And around the edge of it, the way they put their trim on was with brass screws slotted brass screws. And what the worker had done, I'm going to guess 150 years ago, was to line them all up horizontal, going up the vertical route, and then vertical going along the horizontal route. And I thought, and they were all, 
very consistent. So they were that way all the way around this frame. And they're, you know, four dozen screws. And I thought, what an interesting choice. It's not what I would have done, but I so appreciated what this worker had had done to this panel. He had taken the time to make it right. To me, there's a sense of tranquility in that compared to having your screws pointing every which way. Uh, you're putting in your screws and your hardware and your hinges. I, I, it's called clocking. I clock my screws. I make sure I can clock my screws. Now, the problem with clocking brass screws, this has happened to you, is you can break the heads off. And you know that you're going to break the head off the millisecond before it happens. You feel it, and as soon as you go, ah, it's gone. Right at that point, you, it's too late. You can't, can't go back. And now you've got this screw stuck in the wood. So what do you do? Well, there's different, different options for, for dealing with this. Um, I've got a left-handed drill, so you can drill into it, and it's supposed to, if you can get inside of a much bigger screw, it will uh, allow you to uh, pull it out. If you drill right in the middle of a big lag screw or something, then, then you can drive it in and put your drill on reverse and pull it out. There are some uh, drills that are basically a tube with teeth on the end of it. And so you drill a big hole out and then the screw comes out with that with that hole. You can try to drill it drill the brass out with the, the same size as the screw diameter, but odds are you're just going to keep slipping off. It's just it's maddening. So usually what I do is dig out that screw head, put a uh, little um, slot in it so I can get a screwdriver on it and see if I can twist it out. If I can't do that, I'll just dig it out and replace the damage with a dowel. Now, driving into end grain is not as preferred as driving into long grain. If you think about what the screw does, there's, you know, there's a little bit of space. What, a 32nd or a 16th of an inch of space between each of the threads? So the longer that space, the wider that space, the stronger it's going to be. Drilling into end grain, you've got very, very short grain, which doesn't have strength. So screws are not a long-term solution in my, in my book. In certain situations, I think they are. But in, in others where you're subjecting the piece to a lot of uh, racking pressures or tensile issues, uh, I don't think screws are a long-term solution. That's just my feeling. I don't know. I know there's plenty of chair makers out there that would disagree with me. But that's my feeling. And so I drill out the hole, I drive in a, a dowel, glue it in place, clean up that, and uh, redrill my, my screw. Here's an important item, and uh, I think we should all thank Mr. Vix, whoever Mr. Vix is. Uh, because if you don't uh, know about this, Mr. Vix, inv I don't know if there was a Mr. Vix or not, or a Mrs. Vix, and um, maybe there was a Mr. and Mrs. Vix. I don't know. Anyway, someone invented this self-centering spring-action drill bed. So when you put it up to a hinge, for instance, the uh, end of this drill bed is chamfered to fit the hole of the, of the hinge where the screw goes. So it's automatically centered in that hole. It's brilliant. And then you push on it, it's spring-loaded, the drill bed comes out, you drill a hole. You know, you can get lots of different sizes. Usually they're, they're too large for my purposes because... With my work, I'm using number four screws or number three screws. I haven't looked lately to see what sizes they go down to. Uh, 
So I just use it to mark the center of the, of the hole, and then once I've got that center marked out, then I can drill it out from my screw. It's particularly useful in woods where uh, there's a real difference between the early wood and the late wood, like fir or uh, white oak or red oak, something like that, where it's a real, really hard for you to mark it with, a, say, a scratch awl or a nail or something. But that Vix bit would just, the drill bit's there, it's just going to drive its way right in because the bit itself can't move. It's captured in that, in that hole. So I use a Vix bit first to drill out the center and then drill out for my uh, screws. And then, if I'm using brass screws, I run a steel screw first. Try and find something that matches the thread uh, pitch, that is the number of threads per inch, of, on, the, on the brass screw. Drive the steel screw first, wax the threads, always wax the threads, give it, give it a chance to make it easy on you, and uh, drive the steel screw first, remove that, and then drive the brass screw. Much better results. Much better chance of not having a tragedy. It's terrible to hear a woodworker weep. It's just it's a sad thing. We, we need to avoid that. Well, this little chat on screws has gone on for some time now. It is, it's, it's fascinating, I think, these little things that we just pay no attention to. How much thought went into it so that we can ignore it. It's just, it's great. And, you know, it could go on and on. How to, how to bust loose screws, what's the best way. Depending on, on uh, whether it's in wood or steel, um, I'll use either a penetrating oil or heat, not in wood, of course. But heat is always good if you've got two different metals because uh, they'll heat up at different rates and separate themselves, and then you can pull them out. Penetrating oil helps uh, helps with the job, and there's always the cold chisel to try and bust these things free. I remember when I was that, that young mechanic, I would have a hell of a time with these things. And oftentimes we just have to break them loose, just take a cold chisel to them, an air chisel, and just bust them loose and start over. My buddy there, my mentor, Jake. Jake had a way. Jake could look at these things and know exactly where to put the pressure. Oftentimes with a screwdriver, because it's a remarkable lever. You just have to know where to place it. He would take his time and not say a word, just set it down, look, maybe set it somewhere else, and look again. Finally, we put it in the spot and pop it free. Guy was a genius. Anyway, the screwdriver. What a great tool. You should get one. <laughs> Yeah, get two. <laughs> They're really good for you. Well, thanks very much for listening. This has been fun today. Please check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. I'm going to make this announcement that December 4th, Wednesday, we're going to have an open house at the studio. You are very welcome to join us. I have two guests joining me for a chat on gathering inspiration. Jose Medellas, who's a musician and the owner of Revival Drum Shop and an author of a book called The Stoic Drummer. Very interesting book of aphorisms. And Jim Meehan, author of the PDT Cocktail Book, a James Beard Award winner for his Meehan's Bartender Manual. We uh, put together a uh, hidden cocktail lounge in New York City attached to a hot dog stand. That sounds good. So he'll be joining us as well. Join us. It should be a very interesting chat. And uh, for those of you who can't make it, I'm going to try and record it Put it on splinters here for you in the future. So once again, this is Wednesday night, December 4th from 6 to 7.30 or so. 
Join us for our design open house on gathering inspiration with Jose Medellas and Jim Meehan and myself. It's going to be good fun. Thanks very much for listening. Please check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. And if you like what you hear or you have a question, uh, buy me a coffee on uh, coffee, coffee.com, and I'd be happy to answer it. So uh, take care. Do good work. Bye-bye.